Welcome to the hottest podcast around. Good things come in threes with your expert panel of hosts, Pastor Jack Horner, Pastor Liz Fry, and Pastor John Brock. Welcome to Good Things Come in Threes, a podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. My name is Pastor Jack Horner, and I'm here with my able colleagues, Pastor John Brock. I'm glad I am able to be with you as well. (laughs) And Pastor Liz Fry. That was so cute, Pastor Brock. (laughs) Hi, everybody. (laughs) Well, we have a really interesting topic uh, to discuss today. Uh, This year, we are looking at how can we live like Jesus. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Jesus did in the very beginning of his ministry is he he looked for people uh, that he was able to share life with. And so uh, we have a very special guest, a couple of very special guests uh, with us today to talk about that, Uh, especially as we get closer, a little bit closer to uh, Valentine's Day. We're going to be looking specifically at love and relationships and marriage. And so uh, we're just really excited to uh, have this uh, special guest with us today. And But the first special guest is actually a member of our congregation uh, who is uh, uh, helping with uh, putting together a really uh, wonderful evening for couples. And uh, Liz, why don't you uh, introduce her? I will be happy to. Jessica, Jessica Schaefer is with us today. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very actually excited for this event. Um, Valentine's Day is actually normally out of our realm of celebrating, so this is this is special for us to actually have plans. <laughs> right? You don't celebrate February 14th? <laughs> Not really. Ryan's birthday is the 4th, February 4th. So we kind of go out like for his birthday. So then Valentine's Day is just, I feel like it's always on a Monday too. So Jessica, you can, you can celebrate my birthday. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Because it's February 14th. Valentine's baby. I am. am. My mother told me she went into labor on the 13th and she wanted to, if she was going to be going through that much pain, she wanted it to be a holiday. (laughs) So 12, 12, 30, 12, 34 in the morning, I was born. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us about this great event that uh, you're on the planning team for. Yeah. So uh, what's going to be happening? We are very excited. So we are going to have all the things. So I will start off with saying that you cannot find a cheaper Valentine's Day event than what Trinity is offering. By the time you get your sitter, you go out for dinner and drinks, and then you do a date night activity, that's that's well over $25. So Trinity is making it happen with that, which is awesome. Um, so basically what you're going to do, we have a welcome. We have some um, dinner and drinks. It's pizza and wine. So we get to enjoy that. And then Rick Sten is actually doing the not so newlywed game. Uh, And so if you sign up, you might be volunteered to participate in that game (laughs) with your spouse or whoever you're coming with. Um, So that will be fun. Kind of just to lighten the mood, have some fun. Everyone knows Rick. So I volunteered him for that. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, we're going to have the speaker from Masai University. His name is um, Professor Paul Johns. And so he's going to be talking about trust in your relationship. uh, And he is wonderful. I will hear from him in a second, but so I won't give too much away. Um, And then I think the big 
fun thing of the night is you get to actually then leave Fellowship Hall and go around the church to a date night activity. Uh, so I think the one that we're most excited about is making your own charcuterie board with your spouse, learning how to display all the food, the meats and cheese, and there's going to be a few little Valentine's desserts thrown in there. Um, and then you get to take it home. And actually, uh, member Catherine Mueller is leading that. And she is very, very passionate about charcuterie boards. So that is going to be very fun. <laughs> well, that's good because I am passionate about church charcuterie boards too. Yes. Say that word again. Charcuterie. <laughs> well, do you have to do you have to do that with a French accent? Charcuterie. I think so. I think. But she's even teaching you how to make a little salami rose. <laughs> that's going to be like displayed on the board. So it's very, very cute. It's definitely beginner level though. So don't be discouraged. I, I, I can already that. see a fight happening with my wife and I about who goes to what. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to, she's, well, go ahead. She's going to want to do the charcuterie board for sure. Yes, but, yeah. so, yes we're very excited about that. But the other one, sorry, I didn't say, um, we have a paint night. So Rick and his coworker from Red 102.3 are leading that. Uh, you're going to be painting a canvas next to your spouse. And then when you're finished, they're going to come together and be a whole painting. So that will be fun. Oh. Um, we have board games. So it's probably, you know, been a while since people have been out. So if you'd <laughs> like to just connect with other Trinity members or people that are there and play some fun games, we have Jenga, Phase 10. So think like fun games like that. Uh, then we have Coffee and Chat, which is designed to meet with Professor Paul Johns and talk about more in depth about what he shared with the whole group. Or if you have a question for him that maybe you didn't want to share with everybody, you can ask him more personally with that afterwards. And then the last one is massage. <laughs> I feel like when I say massage, everyone's like, whoa. Because <laughs> um, I'm actually the one that thought of this breakout session. And I think everyone was like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I, would like, I would like to schedule a 45 minute uh, session. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not what it is. So it's actually my aunt coming. Her name is Carla and she works at um, Spotacular in Mechanicsburg. So she's a licensed massage therapist. Um, so what she's going to do, you're going to be sitting across from the person that you came with. Like she is not going to be touching you. She is going to give you guys, it's basically just your hands and your head though. So how to massage your partner, how to connect in that way with the physical touch. So there's not going to be like the tables laying out and everything oh. that you really think of. <laughs> it's very G rated. You're only going to be touching, you know, the person that you came with. <laughs> Just feel like I, I needed to make that clear. We tried to think of like a different word besides massage to advertise it, but <laughs> It's all good. Everyone's married. We're good, right? <laughs> so, yes, that was my idea. And so that's the session that Ryan and I are signed up for. So okay. <laughs> we'll be in the massage room. So I think that's it. Um, another point I will say, too, if there's there's listeners who are maybe apprehensive, um, our child care numbers are actually low. So if you're like sort of on the fence and like, I don't want to bring my kids there, they're, they're, it's actually a small group of kids. So I think that will make people feel more comfortable. It's the trendy, um, you know, trained volunteers that are there on Sunday morning are going to be there. So the kids get to eat pizza too. Okay. It'll be a great time for them too. Wonderful. So. It sounds like, it sounds like a really great night. 
<laughs> Thank you. I'm hoping too. That well, that was one of my other notes to myself. I was like, I just want to say like how awesome it is to be a part of Trinity and to have this event offered to us, like to come oh. to. I think this is an awesome idea, and I hope you know more people listening sign up on the website. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's and it's neat to have. Uh, I think the other thing that's really great about it is is people coming together and saying, "Hey, we have an idea." And how do we make it happen? And to be able to work with the staff, with Moses and with others to then uh, be able to make that happen to, uh, like you said, to be able to strengthen uh, the community that we share here at Trinity, but then also uh, for them to be able to strengthen themselves and their own own relationships is, is really, really awesome. Right. I agree with that. And no matter where you are in your marriage too, you can always use a date night. You can always yeah. use this information. So don't think too, just because we're like really pushing the childcare aspect to like, if you don't have a child to bring that you're not invited. Like, I want to see what Ryan and I are going to look like, you know, in years to come. Like, I want to have that hope like, hey, we can still go out to date night. These people are okay. still having fun. They're showing up. So yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I hope, yeah, it's an event for all, all the people. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, Jessica, for being with us. Yes, thank you guys for having me. (laughs) Thank you. Take care. Like Jessica said, we also had an opportunity to talk to uh, Dr. Paul Johns from Messiah College, and we'd love to share the the interview with him. Let's listen in. Well, we are very pleased to have with us uh, Dr. Paul Johns, a the uh, the professor for human development and family studies at Messiah College. Uh, hi, uh, Dr. Johns. It's great to have you with us. Hello, it's really great to be with you. And we Thanks are for having me. yeah, and we're really excited to have you as a part of our congregation uh, when we uh, gather together with uh, couples of of a variety of stripes and diverse backgrounds to talk about uh, relationships and especially. Uh, uh, some of the things that, uh, in particular, that you bring uh, to the conversation as far as re- relationship development and how to be a how how to how to be good close uh, couples. Uh, so tell us tell us a little bit about your background. Oh goodness, how far back do you want me to go? Um, <laughs> I, 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 actually, <laughs> uh, I, I think I'll start at Messiah. Uh, I'm actually a Messiah College grad. So I, I graduated from the same program that I'm now teaching in, uh, which is human development and family science. So it wasn't called that back then. It was family studies. But I graduated from Messiah and then um, worked for a couple of years in Harrisburg and shelter, homeless shelter for families, and then felt the call. I had felt the tug when I was at Messiah, um, possibly toward marriage and family therapy. So after a couple of years of working, I went up to Bethel Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, and got my marriage and family therapy degree there. Um, there there's a lot of details I can put it in here, but I'll, I'll give you the, the short version. I started doing home-based family therapy in the, twins, in the Twin City area in Minnesota. Spent a little time doing that, moved back to Pennsylvania to the Reading area to be closer to family. Uh, continued to do home-based type um, therapy there for a while. Uh, eventually started teaching at, at Messiah as an adjunct. That was 19 years ago, which is hard to believe. Didn't didn't really expect to be a, a professor. That wasn't that wasn't in my plans. It was in God's plans, and I just kind of kept coming back and coming back. Um, and then eventually transitioned into a part-time private practice, marriage and family therapy, Christian-based marriage and family therapy practice in the Reading area. 
Uh, so then I was teaching and I was doing that concurrently for a number of years. And then let me think around 20, around 2010, I had to make a decision, which way am I going to go primarily clinical or our education and academic? Um, that was a rough decision, but ultimately I felt as though uh, the academic route was primarily the thing for me. So with an agreement with Messiah, I went back to get my PhD. I got my PhD in professional counseling at Liberty University uh, and then uh, continued to teach. It allowed me to get promotions and become really a full, uh, full-time full uh, term tenure track professor here at Messiah. Presently, I'm doing a little bit of therapy work and program work with In Him Christian Wellness that's in Camp Hill and they have different offices around. Uh, that's nice to just be able to keep my hand in that. I also do supervision. I'm an approved supervisor for um, for counseling and therapy grads that are pursuing licensure um, in licensed marriage and family therapy in Pennsylvania, which I am. I think I failed to mention that. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. Also a certified family life educator. <laughs> that That's something that just got thrown in there along the way. And then one other thing I'll add, and I'm telling you, there's a lot to be said here. Um, I also have developed uh, and facilitated a number of different uh, marriage enrichment seminars over the years, mainly conducting them in churches on various topics. So there's there's a sketch. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like me to share? Well, well, I, yeah. Oh, I have a question for you, Dr. Johns. Sure. Tell us a little bit more about your discernment between trying to decide if you wanted to do like practice or if you wanted to do like the educational side. Um, that's interesting uh, to me. Yeah, that was, that was actually rather, like I said, that was challenging because I had always seen myself as a clinician. That's what I trained for. That's what I thought it was going to do. Uh, and when things started tugging me toward academia, um, it, it felt Okay, honestly, here's what I did. I went to God and I did that stereotypical God, give me a sign thing, right? I I, uh, I, I just wanted God to give make it clear which path mm. to shut down, which path to go. He didn't make it clear. <laughs> I, I mean, you didn't get are, the facts. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't. I didn't get the facts. I, as a matter of fact, every other day it seemed like, well, something great would happen at Messiah. I'm like, okay, that must mean I'm supposed to go into teaching. And then something great would happen in therapy. Oh, that must mean I have to go into, I should go into therapy. And so I bounced back around and ultimately kind of came to the point of saying, I think God has just given me the freedom to decide, you know, and mm. that I just want to try to honor him and seek him and, and serve him in whichever direction that I choose. He wasn't shutting anything down. So, you know, other decisions like what would be good for my family, you know, I had sure. three kids, three sure. small kids, young kids when I made that choice. So I had to think about things like that as well. But yeah, I love I love teaching. So it it, it was unexpected, but it is a huge blessing. And yeah, so that's that's a little bit about how I went about making that decision. Oh, in the council of many. I, I yes. talked to a lot of people who knew me and know me sometimes better than myself, I think, to try to get some feedback about that. So, Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. 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 Well, I think uh, all three of us have had uh, similar kinds of experiences, whether it's uh, the initial call to ministry or, or just trying to figure out our own pathways and the things that not only interest us, but also that where we feel God might be leading us. So, yeah. um, you know, we've all 
we, we've all kind of been there and gone through some of those uh, struggles. Uh, but somehow the struggles are easier when you know that kind of God is in your corner, right? <laughs> Help, helping you certainly. along the way a little certainly. bit. Certainly. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And he's well, blessed probably. me along this path. So I, I, I have no doubts that I've, I'm in the right place. So. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. That, all, that always helps as well. Yeah. So um, we're really excited uh, to have you for this uh, program uh, that we're going to be doing around uh, Valentine's Day uh, with these couples uh, talking about their relationships and about love. And and you you bring, of course, uh, a wealth of knowledge, not only uh, clinical knowledge, but also uh, academic knowledge uh, to that. So we're just really excited to have you be a part of that without without sharing too much. I mean, we don't want you to, you know, you know, give away your whole presentation. Uh, just on the on the podcast, but it's such a yeah. big topic, you know, to talk about uh, love and how it impacts uh, relationships and um, all of the other elements that are a part of it. Where do you feel, you know, when you're talking about this and when you're talking about love, where, where where's a good place to start? In a, in a word, trust. Uh, in my work with couples, um, uh, this is many years ago now. I particularly working with couples that were struggling. Uh, Maybe there was infidelity and so trust had been broken. Trust just became such a central issue in working with all of of the couple relationships. Um, But I always kind of had this nagging thought and feeling that there's something missing in how we're dealing with trust. Uh, I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, So I eventually just decided I need to dive deep into understanding particularly marital trust and the dynamics of that. Now, relating that to love, uh, that's actually a huge part of my emphasis, I think, uh, that we tend to, and I'm trying not to give too much away here, we we tend to approach trust um, in in standard ways. There are certain things we say about it, like trust trust always has to be earned, trust must be earned, Um, or, you know, I I gotta figure out why or why I, I don't trust someone okay who, who who i could trust and and then we focus on trustworthiness of course you know there are just certain standard things we tend to pay attention to and i think there are a, a few aspects of trust related to love that we could we could afford to pay a little bit more attention to namely things like um trusting as an act of love what does it mean to trust as an act of love. I mean, scripture says love always trusts or, or in a different version, love believes all things. Uh, it's really intriguing to look into the, the, the scriptures on that and the interpretation of the words that are used there. But uh, we got to grapple with that. You know, is, is it possible that we're not attending to that aspect of trust? Not at the expense of trustworthiness, right? I'll put that out there right now. Because sometimes when I start talking about this, people get a little nervous, like what, you know? You're going to, what are you going to do? Try to convince me to trust in a dangerous way? No, 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 no. That's that's not it. But, you know, so instead of this focus on the earning of trust, I think we need to focus also on learning how to trust. Mm. So learning instead of earning and just switch that around a little bit. What is it within us that could either facilitate the trusting of people or get in the way of trusting of people? And I, and I think that has huge implications on loving each other, um, you know, the trustworthiness and the trust factor within marriage. It's enormous. Uh, 
Yeah, they know that's that's really interesting. Um, so when you in your in your in the time that you uh, spent working with couples, uh, mm-hmm. what did you find were like say the three biggest issues that that would often come up with with couples? Three biggest. Well, trust. Okay, so there's one. I already brought up one. Um, you know, another one that came up a lot was expectations. Mm. Uh, either uh, expectations that you had that um, were, let's say they were reasonable, they were realistic, and then they didn't get fulfilled. Or maybe you came in to the relationship with unrealistic expectations. And then, of course, you have spoken and you have unspoken. And then there's the other category of I didn't even realize I had this expectation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did a retreat on expectations a number of years back, and I had young couples all the way through couples who had been married 40 plus years. Um, and the young couples are going, man, this is kind of nice to get this out in the open. And the couples who've been married for a long time are saying, oh, my goodness, I wish we would talked about this 40 years ago. You know, uh, we had these expectations. We just never acknowledged them, that they, yeah. were, they, were, they were affecting our marriage. So that's another one. Um, what would be a third area? Uh, it's kind of hard to narrow it down. I would say I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I'd love to attend to what we call the attachment dynamics of adult love-love relationships. So the idea of safety and security in the presence of the other. Mm. Uh, you know, and factoring in the attachment um, uh, sort of conscious and unconscious expectations we have, bringing that out of childhood into that adult relationship, and now expecting your partner to be the one who's always there for you, who's accessible, who's you know responsive, who is safe and secure, uh, and we that gets tied to trust and and expectations because then we heap a lot of expectations onto that person. Yeah. And, and and then because each person is struggling with their own attachment issue dynamics, um, what they expect or what they think they deserve uh, related to love, it gets tricky. It gets complicated. And, and, and I know in therapy, that's something I really like to unravel, because if you can get at what I'm calling attachment dynamics, and I know that may not be clear exactly what that is, but when you can illuminate what this longing for connection and longing for healthy dependence and safety security, when you can illuminate that that's going on underneath the surface, you, it makes a sense of a lot of the symptoms that arise, you know, why we get so angry with each other, um, why we withdraw, why, because somehow it's still connected to this longing for safety and security and connection. Yeah. It, it's interesting, and you know, I agree with you with working with with couples at, at different times, or even in my own relationships that I've had. Mm-hmm. How much, how much stuff that is happening out in the open is 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 it's just a sim. Is that the right thing? It's just a symptom of what's yeah. below, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Especially the unspoken stuff that you were talking about. You know. Yeah. Um, in some cases, all all the way back to you know relationships that that you saw, like you know between your your parents or your grandparents or a neighbor or something like right. that, and how that then um, you know has has lasting memory, if you will, on on how do you how should I go forward? 
you know, in a relationship and the expectations that I would have. It's all, yeah. inter- mm-hmm. it's all interweaved. I mean, one of the things that they yes. taught us in seminary pretty early on was family systems, which I'm sure you're, you, you know, all, all about and well, well about. And for those that are listening, it's the idea that everything's connected, <laughs> you know, pretty much, you know, so imagine a, imagine a, a, a spider's web and, you know, you, you touch one little tiny uh, part of the web and it, and it reverberate or reverberates through the whole uh, web, through the whole system. Yeah. The same thing happens with our families, right? There's, yep. there's something that happens or an event that happens and it kind of makes its way. And mm-hmm. you may think that doesn't really, it doesn't really have anything to do with me, but it's still moving the web. It's still, can, it's still touching you in some, you know, in some way. Yeah. Um, even, even if it's, doesn't seem like it's, it's that big of a deal. It mm-hmm. still has a re- reverberating effect. Um, yep. that was really exactly. eye-opening for me, uh, as a child of, um, as a child of divorce. Mm. Uh, and, and, and even seeing my, my wider family and how things that happened in my wider family with, um, uh, you know, uh, aunts and uncles and, and cousins and, you know, thinking, well, that's that part, that's, that's that part of the family. It doesn't really have anything to do with us. And yet, no, you know what? <laughs> it sure does. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, all, certainly. it's, it's all connected and, you know, it's all, it's yeah. all part of creation, I guess. That is both beautiful, but also flawed, right? Yeah. We, we, we need each other. We're affected by each other. Um, you know, we're not islands. Nobody, nobody grows up. Um, completely disconnected from others where we, what we do affects others, what they do affects us in ways that, like you said, that we just don't recognize. And in our, in our individualistic culture, yeah. we're even less prone to want to recognize it, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh, let, let's just dig into your personal brain and see what's in there, you know, right. and, and we, and we, we fail sometimes to recognize that, the explanation for what is occurring could be rooted in the system in what, in the dynamics of the system, which also means the solution could be found in working with the system and not just the individual. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just understand understanding it. Right. And understand. Yes, yep. I mean, that's part of what I guess you do, what you're teaching with, with students that want to be uh, pastoral uh, counselors, you know, working with families, you know, it's about, it's about showing them the possibilities, you know, it could be this, it could be that, you know, yeah. and, then, and then letting them reflect on, on that. Right. That's, that's exactly right. Because teaching perspective counselors and therapists about systems, you're right. It, it opens up a whole world of considerations of what could be going on beyond just looking at the individual. I mean, it's it's kind of exponential if you think about it. If you just add one person, two people, three people, four people into that person's context and, and environment, um, the number of relationships just multiplies. And so your your ability to look for explanations, to, to gather an understanding of what could be occurring, just explodes. I mean, it is it's mind blowing when when I. I love teaching systems because it's just students say that it's like, wow, I, this blew my mind when I learned to think this way. And then when you learn to think that way, you never go back. I mean, 
Yeah, he, right. He, 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 he can't go back to thinking individualistically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, one of the places that it was applied to, you know, as, as pastors um, going through going through uh, ministry is is when you start applying those those ideas, the system ideas to the church. Wow, then it re- it really makes sense too. Right. All those yes. things you just you just thought, oh, that's a problem individual or it's a problem situation or it's no, 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 no. You, you see this repeating this history repeating in the life of a congregation where the people keep changing, but they keep acting the same way. Right. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah wait a second. I can you know, you go, there's multi-generationals of of. The, of a person who keeps doing the same thing, but hmm. now it's 25 years later and it's a different guy. <laughs> That's you know? so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That was, that was really helpful for, for me as a, as a young pastor kind of reading one of those first books and seeing yeah. how that, how that makes connections. And um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a way too, it also, and, and I mean this in a good way, it depersonalizes the conflicts that you might find yourself in as a pastor too, because mm. you realize, you know what, it might not just be that person. Mm-hmm. It might not just be me. Right. Mm-hmm. It's this, mm-hmm. it's this, um, it's this culture, this congregational culture that has them, you know, kind of playing the role that they think they need mm. to play. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and and sort of ironically to sustain the culture the way it is, because that's what everybody's comfortable with. Right. We have fancy names for that. Right. But even if it's a dysfunctional culture, it's still what everybody knows. Right. And so it's it's in, in a backwards inside out sort of way. It's like you're comfortable with the discomfort with the dysfunction. Yeah. You know, families yeah. are like that. Congregations are like that. Any group is like that. And you're right. Everybody sort of just sort of steps in plays their role so that everything stays the same. You maintain the status quo. Yeah. yeah. But then somebody starts hurting and, and like to bring it back to couples, right? Why do couples come in for therapy? Well, because the status quo is something went awry that forced them to have to step out and say the status quo is not working. Something blew up here. Uh, it, and it, you know, unfortunately, that takes a big thing sometimes, like infidelity or, or you know, break huge break in trust. To be able to then reach out beyond themselves and say, "We need somebody else to help us figure this one out." Right, uh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, do you do you find <clears throat> do you find that couples are more willing to seek out help? Or, you know, you know, we have a, obviously we have a pretty uh, high divorce rate in our, in our, in our country. Um, and sometimes you get the sense that, you know, couples just go, we're done without, mm. without seeking that third party help. Because I agree yeah. with you hundred percent. I mean, having that extra person kind of objectively look at whatever the situation is and being able to help, help the couple with the analysis of what's of what's happening is really, really important. I mean, just, you know, just don't walk away until you really dive deep, you know? Mm -hmm. I would agree. I mean, um, unfortunately couples tend to go to therapy um, oftentimes when at least one person is one foot out the door. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Wait just a little too long, you know, and it's understandable in a sense. It's very vulnerable to open up the, the intimate aspects of your, 
marriage to a stranger, to a relative stranger, uh, you know, I guess it's sometimes why they might go to a pastor first. Right. And yeah. then great, great. If the pastor can, can work with that couple and help them, that's awesome. Sometimes uh, it, maybe it goes beyond that particular pastor's training or whatever. Uh, and then they end up again, too often waiting too long to get that help. Yeah. Um, and somebody's already checked out. Yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate, but I do think that therapy is more acceptable within our culture now than it was a few decades ago. Um, it's interesting when I worked in Reading, I actually had office space in two different churches and one was a, let's say an older demographic, right? Um, a lot, quite a few people that were kind of in the, uh, you know, 60 and above stage of life. Not that interested in going to marital <laughs> therapy, even though we have this phenomenon, what we call the graying of divorce, with a lot of couples at that stage of life actually divorcing um, at, a, at a disturbingly high rate. Uh, they're, they're less prone to want to go, right? Because we don't air our dirty laundry. Um, we should be able to work this out ourselves. It's not that big of a problem, right? Privacy, whatever. So I'm encouraged that younger couples do seem much more willing to reach out more and, and sooner. That's great. Including more preparation for marriage, even before yeah. they get married. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys have any other questions you want to ask, Dr. Johns? I don't have any other questions. No, I'm just excited was, yeah. to hear you yeah. speak in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be there. I really am. I mean, um, the stuff gets me really excited. I, I always tell my students because sometimes they, they, you know, after 19 years, they're like, calm down, Johns, calm down. Right. <laughs> I, I, I get I get I think more excited about this material than I did when I started yeah. with it. It, it, it. I find it fascinating. And, and you know, my heart is to. Uh, let me say this. It, it, my my heart is in helping to strengthen, um, in particular, couples within the church so that the church is strengthened. When I when I got my original calling, that really was the essence of it. I certainly work with couples outside the church, by all means, but, but my calling was most specific to strengthening marriages, like I said, inside the church, so the church can do what the church is called to do in the community and the world. You know, I grew up in a church in which marriages struggled within the church, and that really shuts down the ministry. You become self-focused, you become internally focused, and you're not reaching out. So I just love to be able to help couples strengthen that because ultimately when you are secure and you're in that love and presence of your spouse, you can launch off into the world and do amazing things and 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 really develop even more into who God has created you to be. There's a lot that I could say about trust and on that one, but I'll refrain at this point. Um, but that's where my heart is. Well, th and thank you very much. And we can certainly hear that. Yes. And uh, people are going to hear that in a, in a few weeks as well. So we're just really excited to have you come and be a part of the, the Trinity family for that evening and, and the couples that are going to be uh, attending and uh, that's what we want to here at, at Trinity. We want we want to be able to strengthen not only individuals but also couples, so that they can fulfill uh, their purposes on in God's kingdom, and especially in this little uh, part of the world. So we really, really appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. 
Well, thank you Absolutely. again for having me. Appreciate it. Look forward to it. Great. Well, that was a really great interview with Dr. Johns. We are uh, really looking forward for him to join us with our couples here at Trinity on February 12th. Uh, from six to eight. Uh, if you want more information about that, we hope that you will go on our website and you can find out uh, how to get tickets here at the church and to participate in this uh, really, really great event. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, podcast. Uh, we hope that you will continue to live like Jesus. Thanks for joining us. Seek the good. Be the good. Share the good. Because good things come in, come in threes. threes. Pastor Liz, you want to lead us out with a blessing? I'd be happy to. The Lord be with you, friends. Also with you. Also with you. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of love. We give you thanks for your son who showed us what love looks like. We ask that you would bless Dr. Johns and his work and the work that he will be doing um, in the next couple of weeks at our couples night. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. 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 Take care, everybody. See ya. Bye, friends.